0: As an employer, you have the same health and safety responsibilities for home workers as for any other worker. That's the clear and unequivocal legal direction from the Health and Safety Executive, an agency of the UK government. But what does this mean for employer and employee in the blended workplace landscape? Earlier this month, we pulled together four of the world's best wellbeing, ergonomics and human factors thought leaders to probe what that statement might mean for the big plans you're being called on to make today for workplace programs that may take years to deliver. Joining me were ergonomist Kirsty Angerer from AstraZeneca, psychologist Joe Yarker of Burbank University and Affinity Health at Work, the health and safety executives Matt Bertels and Duncan Young, Darling in from Australia, head of health and wellbeing at Lendlease. These Ask Leaseman events are devoid of slide presentations with all of the time instead dedicated to answering your questions on the subjects that matter to you and your employees. The following is a short excerpt of the main talking points, but as always, we hope it provides valuable insight and plenty of food for thought. Pretty, um, pretty good way to, to sort of approach it, but, but Kirsty, the, the practicality of it. Um, from the data that we've collected across those 160,000 employees, um, 27% do not have a space at home they can designate for work. Okay. So what, what's the practical implication for an organisation like AstraZeneca um, for effectively intruding in people's homes with furniture and products and solutions that are in their best interest as an employee um, but, but from a physical and spatial perspective um, are going to be you know, providing a major challenge for them?
1: Yes, there will be challenges from a space perspective and yes, I, at the moment from an aesthetics point of view that is going to affect us and it does take away from what your house is supposed to be and your home is supposed to be but I think in this interim period, it is really, really important that we do focus how we get that equipment to people at home, and not only that, but how we teach people how to use that equipment. Yeah, it's, it's vitally important. It is a challenge, but I think if we work holistically together and a sort of team that you're seeing now with occupational psychologists, ergonomists, and designers and architects, if those people can come together really well, you're you're winning. I don't think there's there's no there's no limitations to
0: that really So maybe we can just touch on that point that um because looked at there in terms of um the sort of uh, the, the zoom fatigue right it's being reported everywhere um psychiatric times even i found some point that um it said zoom fatigue is widely prevalent intense and completely new um and it and it uh, uh means the almost complete removal of many of the sort of visual signals and body language aspects, Um, you know, simply the fact that uh, if we were in a room together, I could look at Duncan's glance at Matt and understand what their position was on something that had just been said. That's that's all been removed and taken away from us. What's the impact from um, an organizational psychology or a problem-solving or, you know, those aspects of us being together that we no longer have?
2: It's incredibly challenging, isn't it? I think that it has been um, increasingly shown that we're getting tired. And as a result, people are finding it difficult to to think as quickly and difficult to find words for the right things. The only way we can socialize with other people is through Zoom as well. And what we're seeing in, in work that we've been doing recently is people's social interactions are really starting to drop. So time spent engaging with friends, um, making that step to phone somebody after work, People just aren't doing it because they're too tired and they're too fed up of being on Zoom that they'd rather just retreat and and maybe watch a bit of TV or or go to sleep. And we know that those social relationships are what sustain us. Actually, they're one of the biggest buffers for protecting our mental health. And and we're just not doing it because we're too tired from being on Zoom all day.
0: Um, Duncan, uh, we've talked about it before and I think there's a reference on your website. Um, People who have high quality friendships at work are seven times uh, as likely to be engaged in their work, or seven times more likely, sorry, to be engaged in their work. Um, We know how harder it is, Joe has said, it's just much, much harder to uh, maintain relationships. We all know how much harder it is to retain distance relationships. When was the last time you and I hung out and had a chat? Um, what, What impact do you think that's got for organizational bonding at the moment, that sort of, and especially for new starters, I guess, in organizations?
3: I think we can um, just look at the quality of those social connections. We know that I'm very lucky that I have a very empathetic leader, so I feel safe in my role, et cetera. We have um, good contact, as does the team. But I think the observational learning side um, does suffer in some some respects. But I think you, if we, a bit like the behavioral stuff I teach, we've got to be intentional. Um, so if we're intentional about creating meaningful contacts um, online at work. And also in our local neighbourhood, when you walk up to get your local latte in the morning, instead of looking at your phone, you're chatting to the barista. We have a much deeper connection back to our community than than I definitely had a year ago. So I actually feel blessed that COVID's actually brought a much greater feeling of community connectedness. And I feel just as connected um, at work during this pandemic. Obviously, Australia, I don't know whether it's the sunshine, we've experienced the pandemic in a vastly different way to the rest of the world. But in many respects, um, I think there's some great learning from how you, how you can connect with people, both physically and in the virtual
0: environment. Yeah, but that, that sort of, if you like, the compression time and then a day at work and then the decompression time in your journey home from work is something that has been ripped away from us. And, and that ability to sort of close the door on work at the end of a working day is something that, that I personally feel you know, is impacting in, in, in all aspects of my life. Andy Haldane, the, uh, the economist at the Bank of England, started, uh, did a speech recently where he said it's great. Actually, productivity doesn't look like it suffered. Because people are working an extra hour in their day they're giving back their commute time to the employer I don't see that as a healthy reflection on the productivity plight so what 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 should employers do you think be doing to help sort of mentally bookend the day for employers?
1: Yeah that, that data is definitely a frustration that I've seen and a frustration of mine because potentially some businesses have seen productivity increases I'm, I'm sure they have but as you say it's because they have more time to sit at their screen now whilst they're at home and because there's really nothing else to do then you might as well sort of get on your screen but that isn't as you say Tim a reflection of good health and well-being it's probably quite the opposite and you'll eventually see fatigue and burnout from that and we're actually already seeing that now
0: how much can the uh, you know can government agencies advisory bodies stray into things that are frankly a sort of, uh, not not a lifestyle decision, but if you like a work lifestyle decision for home workers about the importance of movement, about the importance of not being shackled to the desk all day, um, over and above the more sort of, you know, measurable, ergonomic, things you can put in a diagram, if you like, in in a user guide. How far does the health and safety executive thinking can go in that respect, in terms of being able to advise on lifestyle decisions?
4: Like you said, Timmy, it does take that compassionate, that um, understanding from a senior manager or senior leadership in organisations to demonstrate that it's okay to feel tired at three o'clock and just hang up the computer and, and take mid afternoons because it's still sunny outside here in, in Britain and uh, we can catch some sun, and go for a walk. It's fine to do that. What we can do is be informative, give it the evidence where we have it, and certainly engage in that the social nudge kind of a, a approaches to encourage if not individuals and employees, certainly employers at that level, to uh, to perhaps be more compassionate and less prescriptive where it needs to be.
0: Joe, this this must be in your professional work rather than your academic work, this must be an absolute minefield for executive leadership at the moment, trying to understand where you know where they're allowed to stray, where they're allowed to go.
2: We need our senior leaders to role model um and make explicit that they are willing to give us space as employees to really focus on those basics at the moment, because if we don't, we're all going to be in a really serious um, condition come another year.
0: And, and do you think uh, amongst all the noise at the moment, actually the plight of senior leadership um, and the stresses and the anxieties that they have of suddenly um, managing this you know, globally dispersed workforce uh, into places not designed for work? Um, alongside you know keeping businesses afloat in you know incredibly uh, uncertain economic times do you think almost their plight uh, and the stresses that they're facing have been somewhat lost in the noise of us focusing on as we rightly should do everybody else but is there a tier you think that perhaps should need a little bit more um, protection or or, or counsel?
2: Yeah I think everyone has different different stresses don't they and um I think you're absolutely right, though. For years, we have been layering on different responsibilities to management, whether that's a direct line manager or whether it's a a senior line manager or somebody on the board. We've been layering on responsibility for supporting return to work, for managing stress, for ensuring that they're okay to manage flexible working. And I think really we do need to acknowledge that leaders need time to lead as well as to do their job.
0: So a whole whole new skill set needs to be developed around a sort of you know zoom uh, emotional intelligence actually being able to read people's emotional and physical state via a window no bigger than a postage stamp on your screen so a real challenge. Um, Duncan um, again another one of your uh, conference platform case studies uh, that springs to mind out of what Joe was saying there around um, Cal, Cal- Newport sort of deep work um, you know that idea that that certain work activities really need some very deep deep introversion, that, that idea of absolute focus. For me, as, an, as, a, as a leader of the business, frankly, home was that place, right? You didn't go to the office for that stuff. You you, you retreated to home. You were off grid. If it was in your diary as a home working day, people left you alone and you had full and much greater control over your diary. And to Matt's point, if you took 20-minute walk you know, down to the local corner shop to buy a coffee that you didn't really need, who the hell was watching? Who the hell cared? Or if you went for a two-hour walk and you came up with a heap of ideas. All of that off-grid time has been lost because suddenly home is the on-grid space now as you said Australia's dodged the COVID bullet pretty much so some of those types of things haven't happened to you guys down there but for the rest of us in Europe that's been decimated so how would you say in terms of that balance and the the need for deep thought um, organizations can help coach employees around what's right and what's wrong and what's proper in terms of segmentation of time yeah, look, that's a good question. I might just um, touch on the last one as well, That
3: I um, took a couple of left hands in my career and one of them is I've become an, a, an executive coach. And so I'm getting a lot of um, interest currently about not only the information we spread about health and well-being, but how we cascade that down through businesses, both internally and in our businesses and, and lots of external businesses. So that's one. So there is an interest by leaders to lead. So uh, we do feel sorry for them. are under enormous pressure, but I think um, there is an interest to help their people be their best to thrive in both uh, life and work. So the Cal Newport thing, you know, you mentioned that my commute um, had suffered that I no longer get to watch the dolphins across the bow of the ferry, but I've managed to replace that with a morning swim. And I did an entire year last year where I swam every single morning at 6.30. So it's about taking back what you can control. We talk about the circle of control. I think the Cal Newports of the world talk about making the time that you've got valuable. So if you're sitting down to do a webinar, try not to fiddle with everything else in your desk. You just see do deep work. When you're on the meeting calls, you're doing shallow work. You're, you're listening in and things like that. So we need to get much better in understanding what our value is. So my value is as a creator, I do a lot of deep work and then a lot of shallow work doing calls on the phone, excuse me, while I'm work, walking around, et cetera. And we've just got to divide that deep, shallow work conundrum up because you might only actually be able to do deep work for, for an hour or two a day. It's a really hard thing to do.
0: That's intriguing, isn't it? So actually the employees need to be uh, more acutely aware of the, the different types of, of <coughs> work style within a, within a typical working day. Um, For an organisation like I I said, where you've got uh, administration, you've got sales, you've got marketeering, the sort of general activities that you would see in other organisations, but you've also got super specialists in some very acutely technical environments. Mm -hmm. True also for if you like those of our clients in maybe auto manufacturing or high-tech engineering industries where you've got different people doing different things who can't be home-based. have you had any conversations within AstraZeneca about what that might mean for a sort of, you know, like a them and us culture that might uh, be in risk of emerging, where you've got those who can have that freedom to work from home and, to Duncan's point, carve out their working day with more empowerment versus those who cannot. They have to be workplace based because of the technical function. And is there a risk in there then being sort of two polar communities within, a, within an organisation?
1: I think potentially there's a risk certainly I don't see it in the business that I'm working in the reason for that is people who are or have the opportunity to work from the office right now in the labs are people who thrive off being in those spaces and as a business then it's our job to facilitate that working whether that's you being at home and we facilitate that equipment at home or whether it's you coming back into the office and we giving you those tools and equipment to be in the office or in the third space of a cafe restaurant breakout area so I think from my perspective work becomes now very very individual which seems odd it kind of should have been that way all the time but um, very much so we're going to I think we're going to be doing lots more psychometric testing as well much more psychology testing with the type of work that Joe does with Duncan as well what the sort of design community are looking at as well I think I think if we look at design from an aesthetics perspective too early on, we risk not accommodating people's work patterns well enough. And I think that's a real challenge if we if we go that route. It's better to look at the way we work first and get that right. And then we can accommodate it with our buildings and design and interiors afterwards.
3: I think that keeps on coming back to the individual being allowed to work in the kind of environment where they do their best work. I noticed the top 10 skills in 2025 by the World Economic Forum talk about resilience, stress tolerance um, and things like that. So I think we are moving into a world of flexibility and that's both the employer and the employee to allow us to do our best work.
2: I think any wellbeing strategy needs to also focus on those skills around good conversations, open conversations, what good work actually means. What do we mean by good work? We mean... We've got control over our work, we're able to manage our demands and if we're not able to manage our demands we're able to seek resources to help us cope with those demands, we're able to develop good relationships, we're able to manage our change and so all of those principles of good work we need to focus on now and start thinking do do we have those in our our workplace, do we have the ability to have conversations around them?
0: One of the the questions we've had in is around the you know the onboarding of, of new starters um it's all very well me saying I've got this private space at home I can work from home I've got a roughly ergonomic setting that that works relatively well so I'll stay here and do my introverted work well hang on a minute who's missing out from the you know the, the, the the learning by serendipity just from me being noisy in the in the corporate office so how do we encourage or how do we coach organizations to help employees make the right decision for them but also for those around them do you think
2: and so I suppose that's where, where the good conversations come is where managers are able to say this is what we need to thrive as a team and for people to have conversations as a group and as a team to say, actually, this is what works for you, but this works for me. So where do we meet in the middle? Um, and so by having those good conversations, we can be much more inclusive um, and look at the team together um, and have conversations as a team. And perhaps setting little boundaries around, you know, these are our core hours. They're not going to work for everyone. Everyone has to make a compromise, but let's see where the non-negotiables are and work within it.
0: Yeah, I think that's 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 the really interesting point. Really, almost isn't it that that at the moment everybody is being sympathetic to the need to offer compromise. I wonder once we're all carrying uh, uh, vaccines in Iran, there are other versions available other than Astrazeneca, um, whether that sort of uh, our um, sympathy. And flexibility around what we see from others um, also starts to sort of dissipate. Um, heaps of coverage in the news of the media, uh, in the news media at the moment around um, the idea of you know, new Zoom etiquette, that etiquettes actually are sort of dropping, standards are, are declining. Um, it's not just track pants below the camera, you know, the zoom camera line that you don't see. It's the stuff that's happening suddenly above uh, in, the, in the lens shot that, that people are seeing. Because this, I mean, this is straying right onto the peripheries of, um, you know, human factors and ergonomics. But the settings that you know are behind us. The, if you like, the professionalism that we bring to our role at work um, when we're on display. Um, I've been in more bedrooms in the last, you know, ten months than than in the rest of my my history. So, what what do you, what do you think organisations can be doing to coach employees around that sort of? If you like that sort of professional contract, where does professionalism start and stop when you're a remote worker dialing in from your own personal space?
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting one. So when I joined my as a new starter, new job, you're sort of very excited. And that professionalism is very automatic. So you kind of your first month, you're dressing up for each day. You know, you're doing your hair and makeup, wearing all the right clothes and being very professional, making sure the background is well lit and you know you're well lit as well so but it it does then start to deteriorate as you start to become more familiar and comfortable with your team and the people you're working with and that that definitely does change um I think actually it's brought some humbleness to working if I'm completely honest I think certainly when I was a sort of a consultant previously and working with clients you'd maybe perhaps be more worried going into those types of meetings because you're meeting someone who you perceive to be much more senior than you. So you might have that little bit of fear across you. But when you're seeing someone opposite you with just a t-shirt on and a pair of shorts or whatever, kind of brings you back down to earth a little bit and shows the empathy between you both and that you're here to do a job, but you're also human and you have as Joe was saying a family behind you or you're sharing with housemates or you've got other things going on and I, I think it's been quite a nice change to be honest with you I think certainly for things like this webinars and panel discussions potentially the professionalism does increase because you're on a platform now with multiple people across the world and you want to show your best self but also I wanted to touch on the well-being strategy side of things and maybe something a little bit controversial I don't know if we should have a well-being strategy. I think it should just be our business strategy. I think it should just be at the beginning of the year you you have a target as a business to reach a certain number of sales, let's say for that year. Alongside that, you should have a well-being goal, I guess or objective. Alongside that, it shouldn't be separate. It should be part of your business strategy because if you have healthy and well employees, you are only going to thrive as a business
0: really interesting um, proposition then that actually that we we screw up the idea of a legislative compulsory approach to it um, and actually make it part of a sort of uh, much more sort of contract based and and you know much of our work at at the moment suggesting that in the future if you think about an employee applying for a new role it's always about what the employee can do for the organization Mm -hmm. that's how you recruit people Um, Are we going to see an empowerment of employees who actually are sitting in a a job interview saying, hang on a second, what are you giving me? What is my infrastructure? What is my services? What are my access to senior leadership? Um, If they're constantly working remotely, do I get access to them? Is my learning and development uh, supported, not through structured learning, but through the unstructured learning opportunities that suddenly are going to be taken away from us or have to be formalized in a way that that perhaps makes it a little bit more sort of clunky in terms of its application? Um, Duncan, how does, this, how does this transfer to an organization like your own where knowledge transfer in terms of design, construction, placemaking, you're creating communities. Barangaroo was a, a wasteland until Lendlease and others came along and turned it into an incredible uh, destination location. So that, that, that thought leadership, knowledge transfer, do you think that's sustainable if we all carry on working in this unstructured and extensively remote way?
3: workplaces this is my own view will shift in making sure that whenever people come to the office it's really about creative um, uh, the kind of work we do together solving creative issues together versus we're just coming in to do emails and things like that so I think workplace design will change to ensure that we're getting that
4: observational learning yeah it just I mean something that we've been working on recently in HCA with other government departments. The one thing that I'm concerned about at the moment is uh, the way we manage the return to work. And for many of us, this kind of working from home has been hugely beneficial. For all of us, it has some benefits and we want to capture as much of that as possible. And the advent of hybrid working may well be that our office footprints are much reduced. We all need to make a few quid extra or save a few pounds to get out of this uh, the global situation we're in. Um, it always concerns me when we see the profit line of of reduced services so we know roughly speaking it's about ten thousand uk pounds a year to occupy somebody on a desk in an office somewhere we can save a fortune if we just get rid of half desks one of of the
0: one of the the things that this um, the pandemic has done is has thrust science into our living rooms through our tvs and our radios and our, and our news media channels, um, you know, for those uh, in the UK, Dr. Chris Whitty and his, uh, his right hand, uh, Jonathan Van Tam, Professor Jonathan Van Tam are uh, household names almost across the, the country, and I'm sure other, other countries have got their equivalent. Do you think this is a new dawning? Um, I hope so, because we're a business driven by data and science and we provide our clients with the data necessary for them to make data-driven decisions. Uh, just with some closing comments, my question to each of you, which we'll do in, in circle, is we've got a whole load of people who are answerable to executive leadership, what's the one message that you would ask them to take executive leaders about doing work differently or, or, or creating a better workplace future for their organizations? Uh, if they were in that, uh, on that, on a Zoom call with them tomorrow, um, what, what's the message, Kirsty, that you would like them to take?
1: I think if, if you're an employee and you're going to speak to your leadership team, I actually think what would be worthwhile is creating champions around you, around well-being. So get a group of people that are on the same mindset, the same wavelength about well-being.
4: We all got cold with our pants down, maybe no more so than us when we left work. Let's not do that when we're going into work. Treat it as change management. Get your comms sorted, get your engagement sorted and get that planning sorted to have a, a good change management process as we do embrace going back into work, which will be a significant change to our colleagues and workforces.
2: I I would like them to ask themselves whether their managers are aware of and are confident in supporting the health and well-being of their teams. And if the answer is no, they need more information and they need more support and more training.
3: Some great things happen when um, you're forced to change. I'd ask everyone just to reflect and then identify the spots that are working. They're the hot spots and invest more time in them.
0: If you enjoyed that, head over to our website, leasemanindex.com, where you'll find more content on dealing with COVID working, as well as our latest insights, the quarterly journal, the Leaseman Review, and our latest employee experience data on both office and home working. We produce these events regularly, so if you have a question you'd like to pose to us or any one of our future panellists, you can find us via the usual social media channels. just search for Leaseman Index. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back with you very soon.